0: 20, 30 years from now, what did we do anything? What did we do? Do we just sit quietly? So that's one of the other reasons I use my nursing voice to say this is wrong.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Angela Rosa DiDonato. And I'm Marian Leary. And you're listening to Amplify Nursing,
2: a Penn Nursing podcast supported by the Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Amplify Nursing features nurses who are leading the way in science, policy, and innovation. Our guests defy stereotypes, define practice, and disrupt convention. We highlight the breadth and depth of nursing influence on society by amplifying nurses who are pushing boundaries and breaking down barriers to build a new paradigm. Today on Amplify Nursing, we talk to the relentless school nurse Robin Kogan. While training as an art therapist, Robin realized the power in caring for the whole person. And for the past 19 years, Robin has maintained a dedicated practice as a school nurse. Responsible for overseeing the health of hundreds of children in Camden, New Jersey, Robin passionately advocates for the health and safety of all of her students. As the author of the Relentless School Nurse blog, Robin shares her stories and insights and provides a platform for a global community of school nurses.
0: Hi Robin, how are you? I'm so
1: good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for speaking with us today.
0: Well, I appreciate you asking me and I have to say when you when I was invited on the show, I just just really one funny thing, I had no idea I thought a nurse innovator was someone who had invented something. So, okay. so I just want to start off by saying that. But you, so I'm really excited to be on the show as a nurse innovator in maybe a different twist.
1: Yeah, for sure. hundred um, percent. I think nursing is a very innovative profession, which is what this podcast is all about. So why don't we start, Robin? Why don't you tell us a little bit about you um, and and what you are doing and where you got to where you are.
0: Oh, so that's a that's a loaded question uh, on a couple levels. One is that I have been a nurse since 1985, uh, and I have been a school nurse for this is the beginning of my 19th year. We actually started yesterday. Okay. So today our kids start back tomorrow. Um, So lots of busyness going on this time of year. But my journey to nursing had some twists and turns that um, isn't a typical for a typical nursing journey. And so when I became a nurse, I actually started my career in a completely different field. I was an art therapist. Oh wow! Yeah, and when I was graduating from my program, part of our <clears throat> practicum experience was spending uh, what was the equivalent of a semester in a in a inpatient psych setting. And I happened to be at an inpatient psych hospital uh, in South Philly. It was called Einstein Southern. Okay. And um, on our unit, there was a group of nursing students that came through. and I was a graduating senior in this art therapy psychology program. And on the unit at the time that these students happened to be coming through for their psych rotation, one of their peers was an inpatient in our unit. Oh now, wow I know that probably would never be able to happen today, right? Uh, um, but it made me realize that I was missing a lot of information about the full the whole person. And I had to make a decision at that time whether or not I was going to continue on in art therapy, get a master's in social work. I I was really kind of in between not knowing which way the wind was going to blow. And honestly, I wasn't very intentional about it, Mm -hmm. which isn't a good idea. Um, (laughs) But I decided just because of what was happening at the time uh, in terms of um, art therapy, basically there were absolutely no jobs. And it wasn't really being recognized um, as as a career that had a strong future at that time. Since then, art therapy has really been embraced as a modality. But this was a long time ago. Mm. I decided to go to nursing school. It's not like it was a calling. I mean, I did grow up reading Cherry Ames books. So that's about as close to nursing as I was connected. And um, so I went from like this really incredibly liberal arts college. I was at the College of New Jersey. At the time, it was called Trenton State. And I went to a very um, cloistered, very conservative nursing school that was part of uh, an associate's degree program. So I was actually even going kind of backwards in my education. Uh And I spent three more years in nursing school. So that's how I became a nurse.
1: So do do you use your art therapy background today as a school nurse?
0: I have to say that I use my psych and art therapy probably more than any other of my skill set. I mean, of course, my nursing assessment skills I use all the time, but um, my my psych and art therapy background really uh, gave me a wonderful foundation to become a school nurse because at actually at this moment uh, the last study that was done showed that school nurses spend up to 35 percent of our time on mental health issues wow yeah and that and that doesn't include the staff that's another whole realm <laughs> so we're, we're, sure. we're busy I think,
1: yeah <laughs> I was gonna say I think that that's definitely a piece that people don't necessarily see yeah. uh, my aunt is a school nurse as well and she also talks about how uh, everyone in the school comes to her for different things.
0: Everybody, it's true. And yeah. visitors and families. And I mean, there've been times when I've run across the street and and, and saw a, a, like the father of, of a parent who was bedridden and needed things. I mean, it's amazing what school nurses do. Um, it's really a community health position. It's really a public health. I consider myself more of a public health nurse than even a peds nurse, truly. Okay. So why don't you, for people
1: who don't know, what is it that school nurses do on a regular basis? What do you want people to know that you do?
0: I love that question, because I want people to know that school nursing, number one, is not a retirement job. Uh, You are an independent practitioner. You are alone in a school. You are most likely the only medical person in the educational setting. Very rarely do school nurses work Uh, together because there's the funding just isn't there when I started as a school nurse I had 900 students pre-k to eighth grade Um, yeah one person just me 900 kids all of those ages and stages uh, and I'm also in Camden New Jersey so the needs you know it's a really under-resourced city um, and a complex population and so but that's a snapshot of one school nurse. And, and there's, I mean, this story repeats itself over and over again. Um, now I am a preschool nurse. I have almost 400 kids in four different buildings across the city. Wow. And, and the most, I would say a large percentage of my population now are, many are undocumented mm-hmm. um, or, or, their, or their immigration status is questionable and, and very precarious um there's and there's another whole realm of complication and complexity that comes you know when when you're facing deportation
1: right um
0: and so it's it, like i said it's not a retirement job i mean we work with students who have complex medical needs who in other probably another decades may have been out of district placement in special schools but are here right um and so Really, what I want people to understand is um, is the level of complexity of school nursing and the skill set that's needed. Um, and, and even within nursing, I have to say, we don't always get, we haven't, let's just say, not yet, but hopefully this is changing. There has been some judgment about what school nurses do, even within nursing. Right. So, which is why I was so honored, beyond honored, to be able to speak at the, um, the town hall for the future of nursing 2030 that was held at Penn in July beyond honored that I think it was the first time a school nurse school nursing was even brought to the table in terms of the future of nursing. So um, it was one of the absolute highlights, a little terrifying, I must say, um, Mm -hmm. but really highlight a great honor. And I was quite thrilled to be able to talk about school nursing to a completely different audience each town hall had a different theme. And the theme for our town hall was complex health and social needs, both care and payment of. And so what I did was I gave an overall picture of what school nursing is, how many school nurses, what percentage of schools, for example, even have a school nurse, um, what the ratios look like and the complexities of, of communication, with parents so you know they were asking us to kind of predict in the future what will school nursing look like you know in 2030 or what what does what school nurses need Mm -hmm. so um of course I talked about school safety Uh, this is a primary concern across the country and and as I said in in my talk and and I and I write about this often school nurses thank thankfully most schools will never have a school shooting thank god Right. But every single school at this point are having active shooter drills. So even though they're drills, some of them are very hyper realistic and they're quite traumatizing to the students and the staff. So I talked about school safety. I talked about ratios. I talked about the importance of having a school nurse in every building. Um, I shared. Um, that that school nursing began with Lillian Wald in the in the early 1900s, who put the very first school nurse into a New York City school. Um, she her ratio was like one school nurse to I don't even remember the number now. It was more than 10,000 students, and within a few months, um, she had. Uh, impacted attendance by like 90%. She had increased, uh, improved attendance because she was doing home visits and all of these things that we know work that are coming back, you know, like everything's old is new again kind of thing. Yeah, Um, And vintage nursing. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, uh, Lillian Wald is the, you know, the founder of public health nursing. And so um, Lena Rogers was the first school nurse. And... And it was, and and the population that Lena Rogers served were immigrants. They were new um, immigrants to the country. They didn't speak English. They were very poor. They were living in substandard conditions. I mean, she was describing she her book describes my population. Wow. So uh, so I shared that, and um, and I just I wanted to give a good a background of who school nurses are, what we do. Um, and why it's so important to have a school nurse available and in every building, especially in in the very complex times that we're living in. So it was very well received. I was thrilled with, um, I was thrilled I made it through. Let's (laughs) just say that (laughs) it was really, it was a little intimidating Yeah. and the feedback was really, really nice. So that, that made me, um, it was all worth it. It was, it was quite an endeavor. It was really a process to get from, my what I really wanted to say to then making it you had 15 minutes period the end or you would be cut off right so anyway it was quite an interesting experience
1: wow that's fantastic um you have a habit of being a little bit of an evangelist for (laughs) school nursing Why why don't you talk to us a little bit about your um your blog
0: and your relentless nurse program you wow I've never been called that I like that so I always wanted to write a blog I you know I am a creative mind and I since I stopped my art in art therapy back in you know 40 years ago um, I really didn't have a creative outlet for that energy and I went I always wanted to write a blog and my husband, since the time we met, which was we were actually in college, so 1981, he always called me relentless, but <laughs> not in a bad way. He okay. just said, like, I just don't stop until something gets done. He called me relentless. He has called me relentless our whole life together. And I knew what. It, whenever I happened to write this blog, I knew I was going to call it The Relentless School Nurse. So about it really wasn't that long ago. It was the summer. Of of 2017, so two years ago, I t- I went to a, our National Association of School Nurse conference, and I went to a workshop about blogging. And like all nurses, right, we're very Type A, and if you give us an assignment, we'll do ten of them, right? Um, and so the assignment for this for this workshop was to write a blog just about the experience of being at the conference, and send it into to the the uh, the person who was running the workshop so i wrote like four blogs that night i was so excited to get this assignment and i wrote one, like and the thing i love about blogs is that they're short and uh-huh. i mean they're quick right I, like if people don't really want to read very much i hate to say it so if a blog is about 500 words that's good people will read about, about 500 words that's what i found anyway so i found this amazing creative outlet and I started. I just started writing on a weekly basis, and now two plus years later, I have the Relentless School Nurse, and now it's a website. Um, and I, what I found is, I wanted initially to tell the stories. I didn't want to forget my school nursing stories, and then I realized it's such an interesting platform. People want to hear other people's stories. I, mm-hmm. you know, we learn so much from reading about. Other people and hearing their experiences. So I started asking colleagues really if they would like to contribute. And you know, I found that people l- will say yes if they're asked. Like it's really nice to ask somebody, and then they say yes. So, so I've gotten, I've I've met wonderful people actually through Twitter, um, is how I have made this really fascinating network, now an international network, and of nurses, but also. All different um, uh, professionals uh, and and who have contributed to my blog. So it's really been a wonderful way to communicate what school nurses do, to talk about these god awful issues that are plaguing our country, um, and to meet you know to meet like minded people. I have to say on Twitter, I do, do use the block uh, mechanism quite a bit. Sometimes I just have to block. Um, but I have enjoyed it and and has really opened some doors for me that never never would have opened had it not been for social media
1: yeah it's definitely uh, a fantastic medium to kind of open your eyes to other things if you're willing to to look at other things
0: absolutely so how about you
1: Talk to us a little bit about what are some of the the big issues that you see with school nursing today?
0: Well, right now, I mean, since we're all back to school, and you know, these next few weeks, uh, for me, I know, and a lot of my colleagues, school safety is a huge issue. It's a huge concern. Uh, we we are in the middle of a gun violence epidemic in this country, mm-hmm. and when I look at states like Texas, um, who've had what three mass shootings in just a matter of a couple weeks now. Yeah, um, we are, you know, this is our big concern: school safety and also active shooter drills. I can't tell you enough how traumatizing they can be. And school nurses are talking about how they're impacting their their students and their staff. And and there really is very little research. There's a huge gap in research about the efficacy, the really the right direction to go in terms of emergency preparedness. Um, This is a very complicated problem. And it's not just one solution. But unfortunately, in in the, you know, the times that we're living, parents want to know that schools are taking action. Right. And I, and these, you know, honestly, it's a very unregulated field, this whole school safety, uh, burgeoning, you know, kind of Field of I can sell you this lock for your door, and I can harden your school, and but we don't know if these things are even effective, right? Right. And so this is a big issue that uh, school nurses are talking about. You know, of course, we're also talking about safe staffing and realistic staffing. Is it realistic for one school nurse in Oregon to have four thousand students across miles? Like, what are we doing? What What is our value? You know what does that say about how we value children in this country, right? Yeah. So, I so I write a lot about these kinds of issues that not just impact the school nurse but really impact the community. Certainly, um, you know, our the immigration issue is a huge concern and it is impacting everyone, especially the children. Talk about trauma. Yeah. Um, I also I write a lot about um, adverse childhood experiences you know, the ACEs study, and adverse community environments, the the combination of these two things uh, impacting children currently. And then, you know, decades from now, you're you're looking at people's uh, chronic health conditions can be tied to adverse childhood experiences. So there's so much, uh, lots of rich material to write about. And um, I just kind of follow the trends and, and Write my 500 words a week or more, and and I, I seem to be, you know, um, it's resonating with people. I, I have a nice readership, and it seems to be growing. So I'm happy about that because I think in the end, if if it does nothing but uh, amplify the voice of school nursing, I've done my job. Yeah,
1: so about the immigration piece of it, I just I feel like not only I feel like we're losing sight of the fact that it's it's not just people with immigration issues that are being affected by this. Uh Um, I know my sister-in-law is a teacher uh, at a high school. Uh, She had a student she was working really hard with to try and get him into college and then all of a sudden he just didn't come back to school anymore and it turns out there were immigration issues whatever down the line and you know all of that work and investment, not to mention the emotional connection that you have with a person. And now they're just gone.
0: They're gone. Um, And that's what happens. People disappear. And, you know, it's like this underground work that's happening. And, and, you know, I know in my city, we know when ICE is going to be in Camden. I mean, if the word is out there on the street and people aren't going to work and kids aren't coming to school and you know it is impacting everyone, and you're right. It's impacting the teachers who are working really hard to to care for these students and and guide them and working with the families. I mean, we're we're working against so many odds, and then you're right. Families disappear. Yeah. They move on. They, it, it is this invisible network. Um, and and that's and and people are living in fear. They're living in fear of being deported. Yeah, uh, and I have fa- parents who, you know, when it, depending on where, where, the, when they arrived and where they arrived, I mean, I, many of my children have come from El Salvador through Guatemala, through Mexico, through Texas or Arizona, the same exact path that the people who are now living in cages and, uh, you know, not given soap and toothpaste, except they came at a different date on, on the calendar, right. but they're also their immigration status is up in the air. And, um, and they, and they, I have had children kept at school because their parents were detained during the school day. And then if, if, if the family, and they don't know if they don't make arrangements with someone to care for their children who has absolutely no record at all, number one, they have to not be here illegally. right? Right.
1: Um,
0: and they have to have no, no record, no police record. Um, the children will end up in foster care and it's, it's just heartbreaking and it's, and it's immoral. I mean, I, I, I just can't believe we're living through this right now. And I want to say, you know, I I think to myself, like, we're going to say to ourselves 20, 30 years from now, what did we do anything? What did we do? Do we just sit quietly so that's one of the other reasons I use my nursing voice to say, this is wrong. You are traumatizing these children and these families. And these we are impacting, changing the architecture of their brain, right? Impacting their health for, for decades to come. I mean, the, the data is pretty clear on the ACEs study yeah. that adverse childhood experiences can, number one, really impact your long-term health outcomes, that's the least of the problems. Mental health, physical health, addiction, propensity for violence. I mean, I know, I feel strongly after doing the research, and it's not my research, that there is a clear connection between childhood adversity, exposure to violence, and either being violent or or being a victim of violence. So that's the loop to me, you know, all of these things are connected.
1: Yeah, what can we do, Robin as nurses, that we aren't doing already?
0: Well, in school nursing anyway, um we can be that safe place to land. We can be that I mean when you look at the ACEs study, one of the 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 mitigating factors is having that person who really is that strong constant in, in the child's life. If it's not if it can't be someone in the immediate family, it can be any loving adult, mm-hmm. right? any adult that really cares. Um, and 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 I think as nurses, we have to know what the services are. And it's not just enough to hand somebody a phone number. We have to be a warm handoff. We need to connect families to services. I, I feel like people say, oh, people don't access the services. There are lots of services out there, but you also have to meet people where they are. Mm-hmm. and And a lot of it is, I think, implicit bias and making judgments about people's skill sets, you know? I I have just seen, I know that I, people care about their children. I don't care where they're from. We all, you know, the common thread is we care about our children. Not everybody has the wherewithal to show it in maybe ways that everyone thinks is typical. But right. for the most part, parents love their children. They just may be under extreme adversity and extreme stress. So I think as much care coordination as we can provide, um, knowing our our, our community resources, not turfing things off, seeing things through to the end, Mm -hmm. you know, really taking those extra steps, that's what we can do.
1: Yeah, they're all great. It's hard,
0: right? But that's the work. That's the work. Yeah, they're all great things.
1: So what are you doing moving forward? Do you have any new projects coming up?
0: I do have some new projects, actually. I am now on the advisory board of Affirm Research, which is—I um, don't want to get this acronym right because I always—I <laughs> never want to say it wrong. Um, Affirm Research really—it start—it it was started by a group of physicians, emergency room docs, and and trauma surgeons, and it stands for the American Foundation for Firearm Injury Reduction in Medicine. Okay, and it. it you know, I don't know if you, I'm sure you're aware, but there has been no federal funding for gun violence prevention research since the 90s because of something called the Dickey Amendment. Yeah. And yeah, so the Dickey Amendment was named for an Arkansas congressman and he he's since passed away, but it was tied to federal dollars being used ostensibly, research dollars. But if if those research dollars impacted gun sales, it was disallowed. And so it really was very much, um, inv- the NRA and the gun lobby was very much involved in the Dickey Amendment. And so as a result of the Dickey Amendment, kind of as a general rule, there was very little to no funding, release really federal funding for gun violence prevention research. Right. And so Affirm is an organization that is creating funding streams so that researchers can do the work that hasn't been done over the 20 years. Oh, wow. Um, And it's a phenomenal organization. Um, And they really are, they're apolitical. They are determined to find uh, solutions to curb this epidemic of gun violence. The funding goes directly to research. um, And and so the point is to implement life-saving programs quickly so the turnaround's much faster um and so they're looking at creating educational components um lo- really looking at evidence-based solutions and and protocols so they're not it's not a pack they're not pushing a, an agenda of a certain you know political arm they're looking at the science what does the science say how right. can what's our path forward and so um there's right now there are only two nursing organizations that have signed on as partners, believe it or not. I mean, the AMA is involved. Uh, every, every medical organization you can imagine is, is on board with them. The APA, I can just go on and on. But the only nursing organizations, the very first one was the National, the Emergency Nurses Association, the ENA. That makes sense, right, as emergency room nurses. Um and the other organization that signed on and I am so proud of this is the National Association of School Nurses.
1: That's wonderful. So, so why why are organizations not signing on? Is
0: there Why don't nursing organizations speak up?
1: Yeah.
0: Why don't we? Why don't we say to our and I've been yelling on Twitter, where are you? Yeah. Why why was I the only nurse at the table at this at their at their founding meeting? I was the only nurse there. I was sitting in this room of emergency room doctors and trauma surgeons. And I was just like, where are we? We're 4 million of us. There's 4 million nurses and there's 1 million physicians. What, why aren't we using our voice? Yeah. What are we so afraid of? Is it in our DNA that we don't talk because we don't want to cause waves? Well, that hasn't worked, has it? Yeah. So anyway, maybe I am an evangelist. Maybe you were right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well... Uh, these are all exciting things. We can't wait to see what happens, what comes out of this uh, this project that you have. Can you tell us where we can find you on Twitter, on the
0: internet, all those nice. things? Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Robin Cogan, R-O-B-I-N-C-O-G-A-N. And my uh, blog is relentlessschoolnurse.com. One word. All right. Well, thank you so much, Robin, for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, Thank you for having me. I guess in the end, I was innovative, and I didn't even realize
1: it. Absolutely. (laughs) Hello, Marion. Hey, Angela. So we had the pleasure today of speaking with Robin Kogan, the relentless school nurse. And she certainly is relentless. She threw the gauntlet down.
2: She did. Boy, yeah. I am super impressed with her on a number of levels. Um, first and foremost, just her passion to school nursing and trying to really evangelize what it is that school nurses do. Like Exactly like she said, it's not a retirement job. And the breadth and depth of the things that they have to deal with on a daily basis is just mind-blowing and so complex. And you know, I give mad props to all of them who are out there every day taking care of our children out in the community. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, she posed a really
1: interesting question. what What's going to happen 20 or 30 years from now when we look back on our nursing history and we look at all of the things that are going on right now? And the question is, what what did we do about it?
2: Yeah, she said, where are we? Why are we not at the table? And it is a relevant, important question for all of us, individually as nurses Mm -hmm. and as nursing organizations, to really think about and take stock, right? Like, the school nurses are out in the communities. They're dealing with mental health. They're dealing with immigration. They're dealing with active shooters. Yeah. And they are dealing with it every day. But there are also nurses in the hospital. They're in the communities where these things are going on. And they are dealing with it every day, too. And so why aren't we, as a profession, taking the action, putting our voices towards these issues? Yeah. It is a a question that I really do believe we need to be thinking about and answering. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And
1: I'm hoping that uh, it will eventually show that we show up on the right side of history.
2: I hope so, and thank goodness Robin is out there leading that charge. I really appreciate the work she is doing to be that voice.
1: Yeah, for sure. Amplify Nursing is hosted by Dr. Angela Rosa DiDonato and Marion Leary, and produced by the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing with special thanks to our Department of Information Technology Services for their assistance. Music for the podcast was created by Harper Leary. The podcast is
2: made possible by the Krista and Rich Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Follow us on Twitter at PennNursing. Until next time, keep pushing over, under, around and through.